you're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome back to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky, and we have another episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Dr. Alham Raker. She is a pediatrician and parent coach in Los Angeles, California. She's also the founder of Ask Dr. Mom, where she helps parents with the overwhelm of parenting by providing reliable and trusted information. Thanks so much for joining me here today. Thanks for having me. Well, do tell us about your story. Let's go first into medicine in general. So um, I, you know, like you said, I am a pediatrician and a mom of two kids. Um, I have been working in every aspect of medicine since I graduated residency, partially following my husband around. He's also a physician, so following him in his training and his, you know, jobs and so on and so forth. So moved around a lot, you know, had different jobs, but really gave me a lot of different experiences um, urgent care and private practice and hospital care and um, home health care, did home visits. And um, all of it really pointed to one thing for me was that parents really need to um, get their questions answered in um, more of a complete way. So the office visit or even an ER visit, it was just kind of like quick and you know, a 10 or 15 visit in the office. And for some parents, that was enough. For some parents, it just wasn't. And they just had more questions. And and you want to do that. I want to do that. That's really my favorite part of what we do is the coaching and counseling. So um, I really was trying to find a way to work all of it, right? Like that's what we want in, in mm-hmm. life. How do we make it all work? And I wanted to be mom myself. I wanted to be there for my kids. And I wanted to provide good care for my patients. So that's kind of how Ask Dr. Mom was born, which is a virtual um, platform. And there's no time limit. I can go through questions completely. And um, during COVID, I decided to add the parent coaching aspect because I think we could all use that, (laughs) (laughs) me included. So it was something that I did for myself and had a great transformation. And, and now I really want to share it with other parents that, um, you know, just want to have that deeper connection with their kids and um, the intersection of pediatrics and parenting, I think is just the space that I want to be in and share with others. Yeah, absolutely. And so often, right, in pediatrics, you do have multiple patients because you're coaching and counseling and helping the parents see what they can do answering those questions. And so what a brilliant way to put them together. I want to go back to earlier on in your story as well. You mentioned all those different types of positions and clinical settings you're in and also 
following your husband as he moved through his training and practice, it sounds right. like. How do you make those spaces your own, especially when you know they're transitional, right? So often in medicine, we are in places for one, three, five, seven years, and sometimes it can feel very unsettling. And I'm curious mm-hmm. how you were able to adapt and engage in all of those different spaces. Yeah, you know, I, I think in certain spaces, it was easier than other spaces. And I think part of my journey has been finding that. Um, and part of my journey with working with moms is also helping them find that, right? Because when we become a mom, I feel like we take on a new identity and maybe lose a little bit of our old identity. So um, that was there was a lot of that going on for me, right? So in some ways, it was really easy. In some ways, it was, you know, it just didn't quite work. So in the hospital setting, um, I would admit a patient and kind of see them through. And even working part-time, I was really there for the amount of time I needed to be. Um, In the outpatient setting, it was a little bit harder, right? Because again, those 10 to 15 minutes, it was just really hard to establish those relationships with patients. And that's when I felt myself longing for more. In the home healthcare setting, it was amazing because we had actually half hour visit or longer if we really needed. And since patients were waiting for you at home, there wasn't this, you know, extreme need to to get to them at a certain time. They kind of had a range of time that we would get there and they knew that we were driving and, you know, Mm -hmm. so... I really could spend a lot of time with each patient in their home and, and you know, whether where they're comfortable, the kids are comfortable. Um, so I really enjoyed that. So again, all those different experiences led me to where I, what I decided to do now, right? With the patients being at their home, I can be at my home. I don't have to travel. I can be more mindful of the time. But again, they're in their comfortable setting, They don't have to find a sitter, you know, if they have multiple kids. So all these things just led me to figure out what would work best for me and for the patients. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. And you're describing it some, right? Seeing how it was beneficial to be in their space and with them. And we know in the time of COVID and shifting to so many virtual meetings, personally and professionally, how do you find establishing that connection over the telehealth space? You know, I think it's actually worked really well. You know, it's, um, I think the the hurdle with Zoom is, um, or any platform is is the technology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had used Zoom before for a different business, but I know there was a ton of people that never even heard of it, right? So I think part of the hurdle was truly just like technology, like, oh, we can do this, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and, and just learning that this is possible. But once you get over that, you know, I really think it works well. It, what I think people are missing, and I was missing as well, is, is those personal connections. But with their like family and friends, right? You, in in the doctor's room, not to say there's not a personal connection, but it's a little different, right? It's a little bit more professional. So I really feel like the Zoom uh, virtual platform, you really can get that same emotional contact. And it sometimes works even a little bit better, especially when we're talking about coaching, Mm -hmm. because 
you have a screen between you, it's a little bit easier to let your guard down. Mm-hmm. And that's also something I want parents to feel comfortable with. So it it provides, I don't know, a little bit of an invisible barrier, I think, that can be helpful. So there's the connection, but there's also the space. Yeah. So yeah, actually that's the boundary. works really well. Yeah. yeah. It's so important, you know, so that they know and they can side off at any time, right? There's those pieces involved, but there is something that medium, you know, practicing osteopathic manipulative medicine for, you know, majority of my clinical career and it's hands-on, right? We talk about in Australian medicine, the power of touch. And what it was so profound to me was noticing that the touch, yes, absolutely can be physical. And of course, physical exam has merit and hands-on treatment and right. That touch and that connection shows up in different ways as well. It doesn't always have to be in person and hands-on to be valuable. I love mm-hmm. that you're exploring that. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what led you into pediatrics from the start? You know, we select all those specialties from a wide variety of medicine. What led you in that yeah. direction? Um, you know, I, that's a good question. I, I'd have to say really my biggest influence is probably my own pediatrician. I, um, I was an immigrant, so I moved to the United States when I was five and had the same pediatrician from that point until... I think the last time I saw him when I was in med school and mm-hmm. people in the waiting room looked at me like, where is your kid? Like I was <laughs> sitting there by myself and they're like, um, you know, why are you here in a pediatric office? And at that point, my pediatrician said, you know what? I love you, but it's really time for you to find like an internist. Um, but yeah, I was just going, I, I got in a cold or uh, mm-hmm. something awful during my pediatric residency, right. actually, I think during, <laughs> during, um, at that point, and I went to go see him. So I think that relationship was um, really something I loved. And as I did my rotations, it was just, there's just something about kids that was just fun and easy. Um, I don't have any chronic stuff going on. <laughs> it was really, you know, nice. And it was just happy. I think we're so focused on well visits and parents really do everything for their kids more so than themselves, right? Like how often, how good are you about making your dentist appointments for your kids? Mm-hmm. Like every six months, I've never missed them for myself, not so much, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think there was just this um, being with these group of very caring people and we all care for the same thing together and and they're all healthy and, and it's pretty happy and, you know, you don't have a lot of bad stories. So I don't know, maybe just the happiness of it all. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And what a powerful relationship, seeing how it was the doctor patient relationship. And I imagine some mentorship in there as well. How did that evolve when you began your own specialty training in pediatrics with your pediatrician? Um, yeah. So he has always kind of been a part of my life and in my corner. And he, we actually trained at the same um, residency program. So he had um, connected me with one of actually uh, someone that he trained, but was an amazing mentor. So I got to go to a camp for diabetic children and work with her an endocrinologist a bunch. And that was an amazing experience. Um, you know, doing different camps and medical, uh, type things during med school, uh, mostly during med school and a little bit during college. 
So those were all kind of indications and, and helped me get there. And yeah, lots of different mentors along the way. Mm-hmm. And how have you seen that lineage continue for you in those spaces where you were training and practicing? Do you have relationships with students or residents where you have seen some of that influence carry on to the next generation of physicians? Um, mostly, you know, during residency, for sure, there was a lot of, right, like a senior resident and an intern and students and having um, people shadow along was great. A little bit during some of the hospital settings, um, it definitely is an attending in the hospital, um, having different people rotate with us and come through with us. But again, I think part of it for me was not being in one position. So not having that continuum along the way to follow along with people. But what's really amazing is getting to see people out and about in what they do. And I did get to see someone who I trained, but, you know, every time I say that, I feel kind of silly because I think she's like, immensely smarter than I am. Um, she's med. That's always the goal, right? We want everybody to beyond us and they're the, the, the (laughs) med peds, you know, for your listeners, it's a dual residency, internal medicine and pediatrics. So basically they get double boarded and they know all about both. And it's very impressive. Their, their breadth of knowledge. So she ended up, she's actually, we trained in Phoenix. I was in Phoenix at the time and she ended up um, coming back home for her, which is where I am right now. And um, I got to see her in action and I got to refer a lot of my friends to her because, you know, she's just a wonderful doctor. So that was really, um, that was kind of fun to see with all the moving one person moved with me. <laughs> yeah, we can still find those connections even yeah. all across geography and years. I love that. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk more about parent coaching. And can you explain what that is? Like you said, every parent absolutely can benefit from them. I've yeah. really benefited from my colleagues and parent coaching. I say, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? <laughs> this feels like too much. What insights do you have? What do you want to share with the listeners about parent coaching and how that can be useful? What are some common questions and concerns that come to that coaching space? Yeah, you know, I, I think with all things coaching, it's it's about us, right? Like what's going on with us. So this is along the same lines. When I, when my kids were younger, um, you know, I always say, or I've heard, and I agree that you are sent in, in either either your husband or your kids, a lesson (laughs) you're being, you're, you're being, uh, you know, there's a lesson in there. So my daughter, my second child was my lesson and um, I remember doing like parenting classes and going to mommy and me and all those things. And not that it wasn't helpful. It was helpful, but a lot of it was about how do we change our child's behavior? Whereas parent coaching is more about, you know, how do we change our behavior? How do we look at ourselves? How do we put up that mirror and say, what is going on with me that made me react this way. Mm-hmm. So it's different, right? It's a lot of introspective. And I'm sure like, you know, with your coaching and, and what you do, you, you, you know, you get that too. So that was very um, different for me, right? It was a lot of 
I would say parenting myself going mm-hmm. through that journey and what I didn't get as a child that I needed and how that relates to now and my parenting styles. So it's it's a completely different approach than, hey, my kid, you know, doesn't get ready for school. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, we can address that and we want to, but it's more, you know, it's not like, okay, your kid needs to do X, Y, Z or, or, you know, put up a sticker chart or those other things. You know, I, I think when I was at, um, in training and, and even early on time out was the standard, right. Or as we would mm-hmm. say in medicine, the standard of care, mm-hmm. um, the standard discipline was time out. And I think there's so much more research around why that might not be the best approach and, and other ways to do things. So again, it's, it's just, you know, a little bit of unlearning the, the mm-hmm. status quo that we've been told for so many years, there's more um, research that comes out every day, just like in medicine, in parenting and a lot of attachment based. So my goal is for you to have a connection with your child, right? Mm-hmm. So not raising a child to, yes, you're raising a child to prepare them for the world, but not at the cost of them not wanting to hang out with you as adults mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you severed that relationship when they were young, right? Um, and not to say that that's going to happen, but it's it's just um, building those strong relationships between you and your child and building their confidence and self-esteem to go out into the world and do all the wonderful things that they're meant to do. Absolutely. And I'm curious, because that is a common one I was thinking of. What example could be used? And I think that getting ready or following through on homework are common ones right now, especially as we readapt, right, to being in routines and going out of our homes to go to school. What are maybe some of those key things parents might be able to think about, consider, as to, like you said, what can they contribute to improve that process? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what the situation is, but I think there's a definitely a general theme of first you have to be present, right? So depending on the child's age, we have to think about their developmental stage. And sometimes you think your kids should be able to do something, you know, and maybe developmentally they can based on their age or whatever it it is, you know, if you look it up, right, they can do this thing, but for whatever reason, they're really unable to. So our first thing is, is what are, what is our request and is it developmentally appropriate, right? So rather than saying they won't do this thing, is it more that they can't? So for example, getting ready for school, maybe it's just overwhelming, right? They can, they can physically get ready for school by themselves, mm-hmm. right? They can put on their clothes, they can brush their teeth, they can physically do those things, but maybe just figuring out how to do it all is a little bit overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So how do we help them to succeed in that situation? And then I think, you know, it's also showing up with, with um, being present, being, being present with empathy, Mm-hmm. you know, I know you don't want to get ready for school today because X, Y, Z, or are you feeling tired because you went to sleep a little late last night? Are you, you know, and not upset, but just 
empathy guesses. Like, is this the reason why is this what's going on? And maybe not in that moment, you know, especially if it's like the morning and things are rushed or they're upset, maybe not the best time in that moment, but at a later time, then you kind of discuss a plan, right? Mm -hmm. You're having a hard time getting ready for school every morning. Let's talk about how we can make that go smoother, right? Like, I want you to have a good morning. I want me to have a good morning. Here's the reasons why I think we should work on this. What do you think? And depending on their age, get them involved, right? Even if they're preschoolers, I can come up with some ideas and then you can help direct them. So that's kind of the basic format. Um, We don't want to go into punishment mode because we're not teaching them anything. Right. If you yell and say, if you're not ready in five minutes, then you don't get any iPad time today. Mm-hmm. What? Like, what does iPad time have to do with me getting ready for school? And how is that, you know, and, and honestly, a lot of those things kind of hurt you because maybe you really need them to be on the iPad for half an hour <laughs> when you get dinner ready. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like it doesn't flow. So yeah. I think our go to my go to is like no screen time or no phone time or no, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Just take something away. But um, I don't think we have to rush to that. I don't think everything has to be punished or disciplined. I think every behavior has an underlying, um, and maybe an unmet need, or they're telling you a message. So our job is to figure out what that message is and help them problem solve. Yeah, I love that. And what comes up for me when I hear you say that, and I love that example of you know the consequence that really punishes both in the end. Yeah. And- that happens a lot in parenting, right? There's a lot of reactiveness and then there's lament and guilt afterward. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or, or when mm-hmm. I let them have the iPad, right? What am I doing to my kids? And I'm curious, outside of even the direct behavior of the children, do you spend some time with parents going through that, right? Wondering if, right, they're causing harm to their children and what the effects of their engagements. hundred oh, percent. Mm-hmm. Listen, none of us are going to get parenting right all the time, you know? maybe not even most of the time, maybe just (laughs) some of the time. I mean, it just, that's, there is no way even the most amazing parenting coaches, experts, I guarantee they have their own issues with their kids. Um, The great thing is, is that we can repair the relationship. So that's a big part of going back and saying, you know, I yelled this morning. I, I was really frustrated. I, I'm so sorry that has nothing to do with you or your behavior. That's on me. So I think taking full responsibility for your behavior and making sure we don't do the, I'm sorry, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but you did X, Y, Z. So that made me yell. And um, listen, I've been there. I mean, I'm confessions of a yeller mom. <laughs> um I felt very justified in my yelling, right? Like you didn't listen to me. Therefore I yelled. I don't see why that's like, it's very easy. You listen to me and I yell. (laughs) But the truth is just like their behavior is saying something to us that is going on with, with our kids. Our behavior is saying something to us. Mm -hmm. So my yelling wasn't about them X, Y, Z. And I needed to figure that out. So we, we all need to say, you know, let's take a pause. Like, what is it that I'm frustrated about? Did I not get enough sleep? 
probably, I mean, that's mm-hmm. given, <laughs> I, you know, do I need to make sure that I get my morning routine done before I get the kids up? That's something that actually really helped me was getting up a half hour early. It's not even what I do. It's just that I'm not like sleepy and groggy and half awake when I'm trying to get my kids up, I'm just in a better mental mm-hmm. state. Right. Mm-hmm. So what are those things that you need to do to be mentally ready for the day that is going to, obviously there's going to be frustrations throughout the day. Um, and I may have not answered your question fully, but now I kind of feel like no, I've gone I off think on that's the tangent. So, okay. I, I think supporting <laughs> parents and all those feelings that come up in the throes of parenting and your points are so fantastic. And I hear in there too, we talk about the self-healing capacity in osteopathic medicine and you offer, right? There is a way back, right? There is a repair option in relationships. And obviously we don't want to keep fracturing, right? And re-gluing, but at right. the same time, knowing that there's an opportunity to come back around and absolutely learning how to apologize well is mm-hmm. its own art, you know, to come mm-hmm. through that. I love it. I'm curious across the board, you mentioned, right, seeing your pediatrician well on into maybe not the pediatric years. We are talking more about the younger kids right now. What do you see in that teen space right now? What's coming through that might be most beneficial in the coaching realm? You know, it's so interesting. I think that the most needed times for parenting are going to be those toddler years, the tantruming. And those teen years, I think those kind of middle school years, like they're kind of good on autopilot. Like you're like, oh, things are cool right now. Um, but what what is so interesting about that, I think there's a similar hormonal stage in those ages. <laughs> and although they're very different, right? How you talk to a toddler and how you talk to a teenager are different 100%. They're also very similar, you know, they also need the same thing, even though they may say they don't, <laughs> even <laughs> though they push you away, even though they talk back, even though, you know, it, it's just, it's so, so similar. So in the teen realm, it, it's kind of like a teen tantrum and you want to approach it the same way. Number one is being present. That could be hard because teens can get very personal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They can say things like, I hate you, you're the worst mom, and and maybe they can know how to trigger us, right? Mm -hmm. Just like our spouses, Mm -hmm. and maybe they'll say that and use that. So I think number one is really grounding ourselves and knowing that this is not, they don't mean these words, Mm -hmm. You know, there's something else going on and breathe and, you know, still be there for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then making empathy guesses, like, I hear your frustration. I hear that this is happening for you. I'm, this is what I'm thinking is going on. Really active listening. And, you know, there's just a whole different rhythm with teens, like, they're not going to most likely want to talk to you when they come home from school and you ask them how school, I guarantee you 90% of teens are going to say fine. But I found that if you just are kind of there and you just are open, they'll just come out and start telling you a story about their day, like randomly. 
whether it's something made them think about it or whatever it is. So I mean, you, you, you can ask questions and there are different ways to ask engaging questions. That's just not my style. You know, I don't like to just keep prying, 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 but whether it's at dinner or whether it's during carpool or um, oftentimes with teens, it's late at night, which I know it's hard because <laughs> I now, they, they now tuck me into bed. Um, but that's their rhythm, you know? So I yeah. think it's just finding their rhythm and, and making sure that you're there for it. Um, I'm just going to share this analogy really quick for teens that someone shared with me and I love. Um, being a teenager is like, you know, when you're on a roller coaster ride, which obviously we can relate to that emotional mm-hmm. roller coaster. But, you know, what do you do? The first thing you do when you get on a roller coaster, you check your seatbelt, right? You tug on it, you pull it, you make sure it's it's tight and it's not going anywhere. So you as a parent are that seatbelt and your teenager is tugging and pulling and pushing. But ultimately, mm-hmm. they just want to know you're not going anywhere that their big emotions are not too much for you because they might be too much for them and your security and your regulation and you're saying, Hey, you know, it's okay. I'm here for you is going to help them get through. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a great visual. That's so fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you for this work that you're doing and please tell my listeners where they can find you. Yeah, my pleasure. So um, I hang out at Instagram a lot. So you can find me there at AskDrMom underscore. Um, my website is also AskDrMom.com with the slash between doctor and mom. And that's also where you can find my blog, um, YouTube channel, and um yeah, you can make an appointment. I do discovery calls. If anybody just wants to find out, you know, like what is parent coaching and how it could possibly help them and and all those things. So find me. And for the visits, they can be anywhere. So I know sometimes if we're doing telemedicine, we're limited to certain locations, but for the coaching, that's yeah. anywhere geographically. Yes. So coaching is anywhere geographically. I'm also offering telemedicine and that would only be for California. Um, uh, clients, customers, uh, patients, but as far as patient coaching, yeah, whichever yeah. one patient coaching would be, could be anywhere in the world, actually. Fantastic. The gift yeah. of this hello world we are in. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and the work that you're doing. And as we close, I'd love to hear how you see yourself for the health of all things. So I think for the health of all things, um, For me, it's really more about this, the parent-child connection, um, which I think is the health of all things. I think if we can give our children a secure upbringing, um, what a wonderful world it would be. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so much. It's been great sharing this conversation. I look forward to seeing how Ask Dr. Mom continues to grow. Thank you. And thanks for having me again. It was really fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone who you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. 
visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.